So now if I don't buy a horse, the whole web of lies comes unraveled. Uh-oh. Oh, hey, welcome back <laughs> to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And we're talking today about that tide tracking. Waitressing. Cliff climbing. Napping. Goat, goat of, of a, a detective. detective. Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. <laughs> She's on vacation, but mystery never takes a day off. It's the clue of the tolling bell. The mystery of the tolling bell. The mystery of the Taco Bell. So, George, Nancy, and Bess are road tripping out to Candleton. Ooh, road trip. Uh, it's a very old-timey area. We love it. Oh, Candleton's gorgeous. Bess points out that they've been on the road a long time, and right now, she's pretty interested in food. George immediately jumps on her. He says, you shouldn't be. I think it's worse than we've seen it in a while from George. Like, yeah. it wasn't just like, teehee, you love food. It was like, bitch. <laughs> yeah. She glances at her cousin's plump figure. Yeah, glances. Nancy just laughs this off uh, as usual, but she does point out calories or not, they have to eat. No, this is, okay, so this is what's funny. What? She doesn't say we need calories. She says, well, we need to eat calories or not. Mm-hmm. But like, no, you need to eat calories. Yeah. The not would really be a problem. <laughs> that would undermine the whole eating process. Nancy suggests, they stop for lobster. Lobster tail. You gotta get that lobster tail out in Candleton adjacent. Bess is not enjoying the road trip, so she remarks that Carson was really smart to take the plane instead. Uh, we're, I think we'll find out later whether or not he was smart to take the plane. Nothing bad happens on the plane. It's in the taxi. I thought she met him on the plane. Oh, maybe. But either way... We've, we've seen planes full of criminals. We know. They well, crash. They, <laughs> they have criminals in them. They're very dangerous. I'm with Bernard on this one. Also, what we see coming up is this is a big plot that Carson is just missing. It was a rescuer's reference. Well done. Mm. Bess is a little disappointed in the mystery they're headed out towards. I was hoping the mystery at Candleton would be about something more romantic than money. Oh, sorry, Bess. This is a fraudulent stock case. This isn't a case Hannah brought to Nancy. No, this is a Drew case. Yeah. Hannah will give you the social cases. Drew will give you inheritance or stock fraud. Luckily, Nancy mentions that there's also a ghost cave mystery. You want romance? There's a cave that eats people. There's at least that. (laughs) But she doesn't know too much about it yet. So they find a nice, cool, clean, and inviting restaurant in Candleton. Give us the meal of the book, Hope. In addition to lobster and puffed shrimp. Lobster and puffed shrimp. There were tomatoes. Tomatoes. Coleslaw. Coleslaw. Potatoes. Potatoes. Hot biscuits. Hot biscuits. Lemonade. Lemonade. And apple pie. Apple pie. I mean, talk about calories. Yeah, uh, George by the end feels like she's a puffed shrimp. And she suggests that they all go for a walk to walk off those calories. They see something you always love to see on vacation, which is a perfume cart. A woman who looked to be of foreign birth. Now this is very interesting because so often, obviously, that's like really weird microaggressions from Nancy and the gang. Mm. But this is a woman who we'll soon find is not necessarily of foreign birth, but appropriates that... uh, that look yeah to go to go unseen or to to hide amongst the public as far as strategies to (laughs) to become a criminal that goes under the nancy drew radar acting like you're foreign isn't a great one no right in the middle of the dartboard there (laughs) 
she wore a large red heart embroidered on one sleeve and addressed them in a torrent of words. You buy from Madame. I sell all these articles for beauty mint. I'm not doing an accent, you'll notice. A, I'm unclear. Mm-hmm. They don't really say. That's basically the thing about being a foreigner for this woman is she just changes which country she's from right. regularly, which accent she adopts. And I would assume what style she wears because she's doing it inauthentically. She's always just doing something that's like, look at me, I'm not American. I think I got the accent a little better then. Mm-hmm. So it would be something like, hey, boy from Madame, I sell all these articles for beauty mint. Well, I mean, she's from New York City, so you could just do a New Yorker hey, accent. Hey, I'm, I'm selling beauty products here. <laughs> no, I can't do a New Yorker accent. <laughs> well, well, the girls are promised that Z's products will make mademoiselles adored by their boyfriend. The madame tells Bess that one drop of this and piff, she'll get a boyfriend. Which, you know, Bess already has, but... It's basically Axe body spray for ladies. <laughs> Bess is intrigued and she buys the perfume, much to the dismay of her companions. Bess later finds out that the perfume she purchased isn't the same perfume she smelled, but later, later we find out that it all smells bad anyway, so it's it's a cornucopia of, of scams. Yeah. Uh, luckily... Mademoiselle trips her way into a whale as a a whale, like someone who spends a lot of money on the scam. Oh, okay. Not like, I'm not making fun of this girl's appearance. (laughs) (laughs) Mademoiselle finds someone to buy quite a bit as another girl uh, buys a great deal of makeup and liberally puts on far more than she should. Madame, as a demonstration, dolls her up with her makeup and sells her a bunch. And then they watch in horror as she goes around the corner, looks in a shop window as a mirror, and puts even more makeup on her face. And this is the beginning of clearly this is not what you do. Nancy and her friends are proper women, and this is what women should not do. They should Mm -hmm. not wear too much makeup. Just then, though, a horse runs amok, and uh, the madame just flees. Leaving her cart to be ran into by this horse. And Nancy, ever the hero, saves this cart. George says, it was courageous, but silly to do that. And Nancy, yeah, agrees. Interestingly, I think that what was probably an even greater good deed is she also saved the horse, really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good for either of them. (laughs) Unfortunately, this leads to a case of mistaken identity. As the mother of the dolled up young woman sees Nancy with his cart and immediately assumes, oh yeah, there's the 18 year old sales girl who must have (laughs) slathered slathered makeup makeup on my daughter (laughs) in a French accent. She accuses Nancy of encouraging her daughter to quote, paint herself up like an Indian warrior. Yeah. Uh... Losing all my sympathy, pretty much. Luckily, a man is nearby to save Nancy. Can we just make that the subtitle for our entire podcast? Luckily, Luckily, a a man man is nearby. (laughs) Luckily, a man. As this woman is threatening that she'll have the law on Nancy, Professor Atkins random professor atkins steps up and says uh no 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 no. i saw the whole thing 
This It's a different woman. This is before he slipped on that ice cube, right? Mm-hmm. And boy, is the woman embarrassed after that. You don't, no one wants to be wrong in front of a man. This is also when Bess discovers that her perfume is no good and mm-hmm. uses a word you should never use for that. Oh, I'm sitting here, I'm trying to remember. I'm like, does she say damn? No, she... No, she uses the word uh, gypped to say she was scammed or taken advantage of. And I think that's especially meaningful since the cart and the woman are at least partially coded to be Romani. Right, exactly. And if you listen to our minisode or our last episode, we talked a little bit about the serious problems when it comes to representation that that word brings with it. So don't say it. (laughs) Stop it. Finally, the girls arrive in Candleton to meet Mrs. Chantry in her tea room, where Nancy's father still has not arrived. Now it's starting to get worrisome. It's not like him to be late, but it's not a big deal yet. The girls discuss how the tea room is named Salsendi, which they deem to be a clever sort of name. Do you find that clever? Do you remember what that stands for? Uh, yes, I do. So Sal is for salad. Mm-hmm. San is for sandwich. Naturally. And they don't know what the D is for yet. Which, like, why is that clever then? But, but we'll find out soon. Don't give it away, Carl. I want to so badly. So they get to the tea room, and it turns out they're short on staff. So now Nancy, George, and Bess are waitresses. She's employed again. George thinks this will be great fun, and Bess says... We'd like to do it. Yeah, it's one of those things where you imagine that, like, they don't keep the tips or something gross. Like, Mm. no, we don't need them. Yeah, no, I think they specify that they give the tips away. And also, it is, it's just, like, rich girls playing commoner, right? Playing, perhaps, but playing quite expertly as Nancy moved (laughs) swiftly amongst the tables assigned to her. She took orders efficiently. Um, okay. Yep. I mean, real waitering is tough, so clearly this is an easy place to work. I have been exhausted. The lunch rushes they're describing no thank you but yeah i'm sure she just she just handled it i think everyone was just nice to her when she brought them the wrong stuff well i mean they went from no service to at least somebody was bringing them food so but they were just sitting there for hours yeah so this is when we find out what the dandy tart is which is their signature dish oh my gosh is this the meal of the book because yeesh it is filled with steaming hot fish pudding fish pudding topped with Salmon colored meringue. Salmon colored meringue. So not even flavored. I don't think so. Oof. I guess this is their signature dish, so that's why the rest of the name of the tea place. Salad sandwich dandy. Salsindy. It's very busy. Nancy works late. Anyone who's worked in the service industry has had this moment where they're clearly trying to clean up and close the restaurant or their station. You choose a table that you can see the last person from to roll your silverware. She's probably pretty annoyed that this white-haired man is dawdling. Luckily, he has important stuff to talk about. Old bells. Yes. (laughs) If I'm going to have a customer dawdle, at least he'll talk to me about his hobby of old bells. Also, he's like creepily like over complimenting her the whole time. Yeah. Nancy discovers that he has dropped a note when he leaves and uh, she's able to read French so she's able to read it. It says, whoever finds this may become enormously wealthy. Love when I find a note like that. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) It's like one of those chain letters. I was just going to say, the the tough part's sending it to five people. Lose this in five restaurants. 
Unfortunately, during all this fun, Carson is still missing. To divert her attention from this anxiety-inducing information, Nancy asks Mrs. Shantry to tell her about Bald Head Cave, which is apparently a spooky and dangerous cave. Mrs. Shantry says, I don't believe in ghosts, but the fact remains that some unhappy accidents have occurred in that area. One man lost his life. The ghost causes the water to rush out of the cave, but before that, he tolls a warning bell, apparently. I mean, this seems to me like there doesn't need to be a ghost. Like, this seems like a tell they tell the children to keep them away from a dangerous cave right caves are very dangerous water water is very dangerous so it is so (laughs) strange like the ghost causes the water like the ghost is so additional it's like having a cliff and being like there's a ghost there that causes you to hurtle towards the ground if you get too far off the cliff there's gravity like it's explained (laughs) we we don't need a ghost for it Like, spoilers, but it's the tides. It's the tides. Uh-huh. It's natural. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Okay. Bess puts her best detective mind to work and says, Well, if the ghost were human, he'd drown too. So the thing must be supernatural. <laughs> I guess. <sighs> the story excited Nancy's curiosity at the very least. This is so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nancy thought about it late into the night and concluded, Thanks, detective. There must be some logical explanation for the phenomenon. I think it was like 3 or 4 a.m. when she's like, I've got it. There must be an explanation. But in the morning, she forgets all about the cave because Carson is still not there and Hannah has also not heard from Carson. He should be here by now. Something's wrong. This has got to be the fourth or fifth book where we have the drama of Carson not getting a hold of his daughter. <laughs> right? I don't think so. I think it's just like enough time. It feels like it happens it. all the time. <laughs> but every time we're told it never happens. Nancy can do nothing but agree with forced cheerfulness to go explore Bald Head Cave. I do love that her friends know how to like get her head out of like the worries. Hey, <laughs> you feeling bad? You want to go see a mystery, buddy? <laughs> As they approach the cave, George spots a man with a telescope. And she says, I hate people with telescopes. They have an unfair advantage. <laughs> Such a weird thing to say. I hate people who use any kind of technology. They have an unfair advantage. You guys, you see that guy in a car? (laughs) Cheater. I love George's character in this one. Bess suggests they stay outside of the cave. Which, if anyone was like, no, we're going straight into the death cave... Nancy was like that. Oh, you know Nancy was like that. You don't have to believe in a ghost to again know that this is a dangerous place that you have no business going as somebody who doesn't know anything about exploring right. sea caves. Right. But Nancy says, you know very well, Bess, we couldn't learn anything without going inside. Besides, says George, the story must be exaggerated. You can't <laughs> die from water. <laughs> exactly. Bess? He's the ghost, but George says that Bess just imagined it. Bess, I saw only a white blur, but then ghosts aren't supposed to have a regular form. <laughs> Does not help her case at all. George says, you probably mistook a seagull for a ghost. Yeah, ghosts are supposed to sometimes look like seagulls. You don't know. <laughs> Why would a seagull? 
eagle fly into a cave, though, Carl? Clearly, Bess needs glasses. There was just a seagull somewhere, and she saw it as a white blur. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. There's fries in there. I don't know. Bess's lips drew into a thin, stubborn line. It certainly was not a bird, but forget it. (laughs) Even, she says, if that cave were inhabited by 20 ghosts. I know I couldn't talk you two out of exploring. (laughs) 20 ghosts. Jeez, I don't know. That's the limit. What do you think is your maximum number of ghosts? I, I wanted, Before you would go in. It's such a good question because the real question we're asking is at what rate does danger increase? Like, are two ghosts twice as dangerous as one ghost? Or do you get diminishing returns on the ghosts? I mean, if you hold to the philosophy that ghosts are just like people, some are good and some are bad, the more ghosts there are, the higher probability one of them is bad. Yeah, but also the higher probability you get a Casper in there. <laughs> <laughs> who will fight, who the, will bad fight one. the bad one for you? I think that I don't know how big this cave is, but if I had to like touch any of the ghosts, like if there were so many ghosts in the cave mm-hmm. that I would have to touch them, I think that's like my boundary with ghosts is I don't really want them to touch me. Well, it's also there's also social distancing to consider. <laughs> who knows what you're gonna catch from a ghost? You don't want you don't want to be packed in there with a bunch of unmasked ghosts. <laughs> has no intention of being reckless Mm-mm. also george finally does see the ghost <laughs> so that takes care of that <laughs> suddenly a great wall of water came plunging toward them with the speed of an express train <laughs> faster what's, than a locomotive and what's nancy's good advice <laughs> run run for your life <laughs> Thanks, Nance. Bess gets out with the boat, tugs it to shore. Then she saves George, who hurt her arm, using the old cross-chest carry. You learn that in Girl Scouts. Bess and George are so worried about Nancy that they just start crying. But pretty soon they hear her calling and see that she's high up on the cliff somehow. They decide to return the boat to the person they rented it from and then go by road to find Nancy. George happens to know where Nancy's extra car key is, so this is all possible. And also her arm has made a miraculous recovery. How do you so quickly get somewhere so high that you can't just climb down from this seagull put her yeah like is it the (laughs) The tide is it the seagull i don't think that's ever explained also i love that injuries that happen in the water almost always immediately go away in the nancy universe yeah water is very restorative (laughs) so so this arm injury goes away and later george also twists her ankle so severely she can't walk but then that immediately goes away and we never hear about it again Nancy, high atop the cliffs, begins to feel lightheaded. Hmm, she says to herself, I'm getting to be a sissy. She's looking down on anyone who can't, you know, be pushed by the tides up to the top of a cliff. (laughs) Not Nancy. Soon, the warm sun and a faint sweet aroma make her even drowsier. This is such a weird part. Now, this is pretty essential to the whole rest of the novel and just very trippy. And I predicted incorrectly that this was going to be meaningless. I was impressed (laughs) because they didn't really explain what was going on here at first, but they also didn't rub it in our faces that we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a surprise. They've been inserting weird dreams into Nancy's personal life for the last several novels. Right. It never means anything. Leading up to this. Yes. She's being eaten by a ruby. (laughs) Presently... Two little brown elves crept from beneath a bush and stared at her as if she were an intruder. This is the 
only time they're referenced as brown, too. We must move her before she wakes up. Is that your elf voice, by the way? Mm-hmm. That's very good. The elves seem to have cast a spell over her. She ends up waking up in a roadside ditch, which is strewn with sharp rocks and pebbles, which is uh, not the nice couch she thought they set her down in. <laughs> this feels like an organ harvest story. It really does. Like, <laughs> it does. She had this trippy dream and then she woke up in a ditch. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Either I wandered, says Nancy to herself, in my sleep, or I'm having hallucinations. Perhaps I struck my head in the cave. I mean, and at this point you don't know. Because you don't know how she got up on top of the cliff at all. Yeah. Confused by her experience and frightened that another lapse of memory might overtake her, Nancy tramped quickly down the road. Luckily, a farmer's wife is there to help Nancy. After the accident, she says, I became confused. (laughs) The farmer's wife asks if Nancy had been to Bald Head Cave, and Nancy feigns ignorance, not, I guess, wanting to admit she wouldn't explore this dangerous cave. So she says, is Bald Head Cave near here? That's not a no. It's not she didn't lie well who should show up in nancy's convertible to drive her home but old boy ned ned nickerson a friend of nancy's who was staying nearby to sell insurance to parents of two college friends oh good (laughs) ned's incredibly boring canon is back he's not in south america anymore yeah i was worried we wouldn't have to hear about him selling insurance anymore george when she sees nancy uh hogs a bit of that limelight saying oof we all had a narrow squeak nancy says i'm sorry you found me looking so disheveled and ned says well you look all right to me and i and this is true like women are expected to always look good i didn't have time to do my hair after i was almost killed (laughs) well ned wants the story which nancy is willing to relay though self-consciously Bess says so far as i'm concerned that mystery is welcome to remain forever unsolved Get Nancy's mystery's name out of your mouth. Ned says, well, why don't I try my luck there tomorrow? Beth says, don't even think about it. And George says, the cave is too dangerous. Somebody calls Nancy, telling her to find her dad at the Fisher's Cove Hotel. Oh yeah, Carson's in this one. Ned right away tells Nancy, don't go there, it's a trick. Is it a trick? Isn't it a trick? Let's have some fun finding out. Common sense, warned Nancy, she might be courting danger by driving to Fisher's Cove. It's a bad part of town. On the other hand, she was extremely anxious about her father. It's always with Nancy, like, this might be a trap. On the other hand, the bait looks really tasty. That's so funny. That's so funny and true. (laughs) On the one hand, death. On the other hand, she's... Nancy admits it might be a trap, but she says, I'm supposed to go alone. Ned insists he's going to follow her. Right then the phone rings. George answers the phone, and a woman is on the other line saying, Stop Nancy from going. This is definitely a trap. The experts are divided (laughs) on this. Nancy gets to the hotel, takes one look at it, and says, Dad never would have registered at such a rundown hotel as this. Is this a garden store? Because this place is seedy. <laughs> She doesn't say that. That was me. An elderly woman comes by and drops a warning note in Nancy's lap. So Nancy calls Mrs. Chantry. Why does she call her? (laughs) Mrs. Chantry still hasn't heard from Carson Drew. Oh, just to check. Just to check if Carson had just shown up at home. It doesn't make any sense. 
So just then, a doctor shows up, says, come with me, your dad's ill, I'll show you the way. And now Nancy's like, I don't know, how do I know I can trust you? And he's like, don't you trust me? First of all, no. I never trust anyone who says, don't "Don't you trust trust me? But the hotel clerk does verify that it's a doctor. Nancy says, but everything's been so odd. How do I know? And somehow at some point, this very unconvincing Mr. Slocum, that's the name of the hotel clerk. Oh, yeah. Well, Nancy's had warnings from two women. Uh Uh-huh. Which typically believe those. Yeah. When two women say it's a problem Mm -hmm. and one man says, yeah, I don't, he's a doctor. Sure. I don't know. Fine. But Nancy decides. Cheese. The bait looks good. Take me to my father at once, she says. When she sees Carson, he looks so changed that his appearance shocks her. A hotel maid had found him and called the doctor. Turns out that hotel maid wasn't supposed to have found him. No, he was meant to be kept here in secret, but housekeeping exists. So it turns out that on the way to Candleton from the airport, Carson took a taxi. He shared a taxi with a woman and he's convinced that he was drugged somehow. He's just determined for no reason that this woman had nothing to do with the drugging. And so he's like, but I did have coffee with the people who supposedly swindled Mrs. Shantry right before getting on the plane. I think they drugged my coffee. Carson wants to leave. He's had enough of this place. But Nancy tells him he has to wait. So she goes to check, and she sees Ned is gone. So she goes back to Carson, and Carson is gone! Like a Twilight Zone episode. Nancy doesn't trust the clerk. Ned threatens the clerk with calling the police. The clerk finally agrees to help them search the rooms. They do find Carson in a different room after Nancy follows faint footprints left in the carpet. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> Carson says a maid had come in to clean his room and then all of a sudden he found himself waking up in this other room. Carson also doesn't like the clerk and then for some reason they have to parade out all of the maids to see if one of them was the one that took Carson to this other room. I want to be clear that this is like Ned and Carson disappearing and being found mm-hmm. within a chapter. It's just like immediate ups and downs on the tension. Yep. Nancy and Ned drive Carson back to Candleton to nicer accommodations. He's fine, but tired of being watched. They just like basically watch him for 24 hours and will not let him out of their sight. Yeah, he's like, listen, it's just some unnatural sleeping spells. Like, it's nothing. And finally, he just tells them, I don't care where you go, just leave me alone to read a book. He's getting saucy. I'm glad he can read after, like, what, three days of being drugged? Like, it's it's weird. I do love His that bounce back is weird. He doesn't really ever consider he might have a health problem. He's immediately like, I was clearly drugged. I, yeah, I focused really hard. I squinched up my muscles. <laughs> and I forced the poison from my body. I'm fine now. So, Ned and Nancy, deciding to leave Carson alone, go for a picnic. They run in to the cosmetic cart madam. Ned recognizes her quote-unquote dark-skinned face. They see her talking with a stocky red-faced man. She's acting very suspicious. Ned and Nancy guessed he was trying to force the woman to agree to something against her will. They're really good at reading body language. They both are standing like mysteries. 
So after Ned drops Nancy back off home, Bess and George go to the movies so Nancy can get some quality time with her dad. Carson talks about his case, which involves Harry Tyrox, who sold Mrs. Chantry a lot of bad stock. And to be clear, she does work in a restaurant, but that's that's Wall Street stock, not like chicken stock. <laughs> Nancy, feeling sorry for Mrs. Chantry, volunteers to work as a waitress because it's fun and I have another reason. Her other reason is that white-haired man. And his note about making money quick. <laughs> the white-haired man, who turns out to be Amos Hendrick, does return and says that he likes to be called A.H., which is weird. Nobody calls him that. Everybody calls him Amos, Mr. Hendrick, and then throughout the, book, the novel. The book kind of flip-flops on it. Yep. He refers to Nancy as the pretty little waitress and says that she knows he probably dropped a note. Bess impulsively says, You're making a mistake if you don't tell Nancy all about your paper and get her to help you. Why, she solved more mysteries than you could count on your fingers and toes together. So much to say impulsively. A.H. says, You girls are three peas in a pod. Now, why are you so interested in that paper? Bess says, because we like adventure. Mr. Hendrick's interest was aroused. Ugh, don't hang out with this guy, girls. Nancy says, I solve mysteries for the fun of it. <laughs> A.H. gives them a little bell lesson after they lead him to a half-rotted log on which he could sit. And he deserves no more. A.H. <laughs> dismisses the cave as he didn't see a ghost there, nor hear the bell. And he did go looking for it. He likes bells. <laughs> he really likes bells. And so did his father. And so did his grandfather. We're a bell family. He admits he can't swim. So maybe three athletic girls could help if he should get in a tight spot with that ghost. That was weird. That's weird to say. It is foretelling, though. It is. Whenever you're like, oh, if I run into a ghost, I hope I can swim. That's just strange. And then you add on to that, I hope three athletic girls can help me. In many ways, Amos is the quirkiest character <laughs> I think we have met yet. That might be true. Yeah, quirky. Because he's not yeah. malevolent, really. Bess with what I would call pretty good boundaries, refuses to go into the cave again. Yeah, I'll go there, but I'm not going into that cave. Amos, once they get to the cave, hears the bell, and even though he had scoffed at the ghost story earlier, he is now trembling like a leaf. Maybe he saw a seagull. Nancy and George go to explore the rocks, but A.H. does not have, uh, as he says, enough of the goat in him. So Bess stays with him in the boat. George jokes as they walk away. Don't let the ghost get you. Yeah, meh. <laughs> if you walked in your sleep, says George, you were lucky you didn't fall off the cliff and kill yourself. Nancy replies, yeah, I think so too. George manages to twist her ankle and she's in great pain, but she tells Nancy, go on without me, Nancy. So Nancy does. <laughs> I'll just stay here till the eagles come and throw me off the cliff. Nancy explores... At the very height of the cliff, an empty cottage. Chills raced down Nancy's spine. Some tragedy must have occurred here. What Nancy sees is moldy plates, 
covered in cobwebs. It just looks like everybody must have just suddenly left this house. It deeply impressed Nancy. So she left quietly and carefully, closing the outside door. Now, if they specified that a character closed a door, you know that door is not going to be closed when the character sees that door again. Nancy, as she returns to the girls, hears Bess shouting and sees George pointing. It seems that A.H., that old quirkster, has left them. <laughs> He's just rowing away in the boat. Bye! George furiously... Is like, what's the matter with A.H.? He can't go off and leave us stranded here. No time to explain. Nancy says, that's exactly what he's doing. It seemed incredible that A.H. could not hear them yelling after him. What'd you say? You want to be left there? Okay. (laughs) George says bitterly, he's going off and leaving us on purpose. Oops. Thought you were with me. Bye. Both girls know that to be left alone on the cliff was a serious matter. I'm su- I assume Bess also knows, guys. Don't be weird about it. <laughs> and worst of all, George can't walk very far. Nancy leaves her with Bess and goes for help. Even Nancy cannot stifle a feeling of resentment toward Amos Hendrick. Yeah, I think I would be pretty mad at somebody who left me <laughs> on a cliff. Even old turn-the-other-cheek Nancy's a little bit upset. With no less the boat that I paid for, that I rented. Well, (laughs) he must have some reason, thinks Nancy. I don't believe he would abandon us on purpose. I just love that this is definitely introduced as like some kind of major drama or plot point, and it's so disappointing in the end. I I say we jump to just saying he had an appointment. He had an important bell meeting that he had forgotten about. (laughs) So he just leaves them. Which turns out to be with the bad guy, of course. I couldn't have waited five more minutes. Nancy notices at this point that that cottage door is open. She also sees a dark shadow. Wait, the cottage door that she closed? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was open the whole time. Oh, wait, she closed it. (laughs) And maybe that dark shadow was a person or an animal. No, it was just her imagination, she decides. Nevertheless, Nancy decides to investigate anyways, before immediately deciding it was the wind. Oh, well, can't waste time. Luckily, Nancy hitches a ride with the farmer, the husband of the farmer's wife, who will not take payment for his Uber ride, says he enjoyed talking to Nancy, so that's payment enough. The boat owner goes ahead and refills the gas for Nancy, saying A.H. left them no message. He's pretty upset at A.H. too. George says, just wait till I meet him again. I'll tell him a thing or two. I'll ring his bell. Well, no, he'll enjoy that. She doesn't tell him anything. Nancy says, I still think he may have had a reason. At home, Nancy notices that Carson is not looking happy. She says, Dad, you seem upset. Carson says, I'm disgusted. Disgusted. Read this. Tyrox and others have escaped. So Carson was like, here, have a warning. And Tyrox was like, thank you. I will be a criminal still. The mistake I made was giving Tyrox and the others a chance to make good. Yeah, that's always an isn't Yeah, mistake. like, don't just go, yeah. <laughs> my job as a lawyer is to get my client's money back. And I thought maybe I would just ask nicely. Nancy thought Tyrox must have a reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. But the funny thing is, <laughs> she might as well have because, yes, they all have reasons, Nancy. <laughs> 
no one's just doing things. Like, is your argument that A.H. isn't a philosophical zombie? Yeah, he had a reason. What comes out in this conversation with Carson is that Tyrox's company that he was selling fake stock for was Moncour, the perfume company. <gasps> Nancy just stared at her father at this point. This is a little bit much, Dad. The stout man must have been Tyrox. Ned remembers the woman who Tyrox had been meeting with as the woman from Fisher's Cove Hotel. She was the one who told him that Nancy had left when Nancy had not. The kidnapping, the fake perfume sales, the stock sales, the warnings not to go to the hotel, and probably the maid who moved Carson. There are all these two people. Mr. Drew does not join Nancy and Ned for dinner because he's waiting for a phone call from his young assistant. Mm-hmm. Ned and Nancy stop at a place to eat where they have good music and can even dance. Reluctantly, though, they continue the mystery. Nancy teases Ned, don't get into another fuss with the hotel clerk (laughs) as they go to interrogate him. The clerk asks them to stop bothering him. Ned bristled, but Nancy restrained him. Don't tackle this guy yet. Nancy tells Ned she has another plan. She wants... A plainclothes policeman to stake out the hotel. Just order up another plainclothes policeman, (laughs) Nancy. Nancy was not too hopeful that the plan would bring results, but it's only taxpayer dollars, so it's fine. (laughs) She tells Ned, I need to do some investigating. Ned insists on helping, and Nancy says, there's no putting you off, I see, and laughs. Well, there's nothing left to do but immediately find A.H. for an explanation the next morning. After church, of course. You have to go to church. After church. Of course, after church. That's the only thing more important than a mystery. It goes God, mystery, country, etc. Meanwhile, they find that there is a drugstore nearby selling the Moncur perfume products. And they decide to get these products tested and then warn the drugstore. Ned has an old college friend who, even though he's been out of school as a chemist only two years, is already well-known. What is a well-known chemist? Is he Bill Nye the science guy? Basically. John Sanders is going to help him out. Oh, John Sanders? The well-known chemist? Yep. I know him. Yep. So Ned gives John Sanders the products. He says, I'll report to you tomorrow night at the yacht dance. What, what the products are. So it turns out none of these products are good. So they all meet John Sander at the Yacht Club dance. And Nancy right away is like, hey, tell me what's in those products. He's like, I can give it to you in a few words, which turns out to be quite a few words. The face powder is nothing but schoolroom chalk mixed with some rice powder. The lipstick, it turns out, is made with a certain substance that's actually very dangerous for your skin. And the perfume is mostly water. Well, the perfume's safe, at least. Nancy exclaims, poor Bess, wait until she hears this. But the thing is, Bess already knows. She knew right away this perfume wasn't good good carson recognizes the perfume as the perfume of the woman who was in the taxi nancy thinks that that may be who drugged him could could be carson is off to the airport so nancy packs his bags for him like all daughters do of course i mean you have to dutifully pack your father's bags (laughs) nancy says maybe i'll have the whole thing solved by the time you return and the mystery of the tolling bell too and i'll get the recipe for that fish paste But after all, Nancy and her friends are on vacation. So they head out like you might on vacation to a quaint little candle shop out on Whippoorwill Way. No, Whippoorwill Way best describes as quaint because it's basically a little village 
I I imagine it like going to the Amana colonies. It's like stepping back in time. It's going to a village that's like more crafts and hands-on and making things by hand. That sounds delightful. Unfortunately, all her candles seem to have no odor, except for the the bayberry ones. But the rest of them, nothing. This is where we learn how to make bayberry candles. Yeah, if you need to know, (laughs) put up the recipe. So it turns out that what she used for all the other candles were Moncur perfume products. Wait, those can't be bad. Their stock are doing so well. Turns out she bought a lot of stock from the Moncur perfume company. So did all of her neighbors... And her neighbor's neighbors, they bought these from a foreigner who was a woman and a fine, elegant gentleman who was Tyrox. I do love that the way he convinced her that the perfume was any good was by showing her like the stock soaring. So it's like you really connect the two there. Mm -hmm. The man is this far from from a legitimate business. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you convince people your product is good and to buy stock in it. He's he a little bit of paperwork and it would have been fine. Nancy asks about the empty cottage. It turns out it's the old McGuire place. And Grandpa McGuire always had a telescope. So an unfair advantage. Bess mentions that A.H. is a strange fellow. I'll bet he knows the secret of the cottage. George says, I agree. They are both wrong. A.H. knows nothing. So they go to fetch berries for the Salsendy when they see A.H. talking with the stout suspect. (laughs) But they have to finish their errand first, I guess. Yeah, it's important for the lunch rush. (laughs) To have berries. George is excited to go confront A.H. What a surprise he's going to get when he sees us. I'm going to stab him. They expect A.H. to avoid them, but he doesn't. He says, I'm so sorry I left because I remembered I had an appointment, as we said. Specifically, with that stout subject about a bell. Anyways, A.H. says, I don't own a telescope. Well, I must go now. Hope you've forgiven me for running off with the boat. <laughs> After he had left, Nancy mentioned her disappointment about the talk with Amos Hendrick. Is he a suspect or a victim? They do find more swindled victims. As Nancy says, this swindle is snowballing. That's a sentence you don't get to hear often enough. That's great. Now, Nancy runs into, out on the town, my new favorite character, Minnie the Makeup Girl. <laughs> The girl from earlier. (laughs) Let's talk to her, says Nancy. She really looks pathetic. Not only being caked up in makeup now, but being like weirdly stuffed into ill-fitting like night clothes. Wearing two high like stilettos for what's obviously the first time and like acting like they're stilts basically. Nancy decides to say to this girl, aren't you a long way away from home? (laughs) Minnie says, not have far enough. This isn't how you talk to people. And that's just why I imagine Mindy walking down the street. Likewise, I'm sure it is chewing gum real loud. Well, Mindy gets to leave home because she has a job. Fast doesn't think that's possible. Who would employ such a godly dressed person, asks Bess. Um, I know who would. Mademoiselle would. Mm-hmm. The makeup woman. Nancy says, okay, well... We'd love to come to this demonstration you're talking about. Minnie has been asked by the perfume cart woman to turn up and display her products. 
George wishes they could just right away tell Minnie's parents where she is. Nancy says, I'll try to persuade her to go home, but not until after the demonstration tonight. Girls, do you realize Minnie may solve the mystery for us? And it'll be hilarious. Well, since Nancy's dad is gone, Beth suggests that Nancy asks Ned to join. Ned says, I'm sure I can handle Madam myself. And Minnie, too. There's bound to be a policeman not far away if we want him to make any arrests. I just love this idea that he just thinks that they're always at his disposal, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Minnie did appear, looking very unattractive, but Madam doesn't show, so they decide to reunite Minnie with her grateful parents. It turns out that Madame's address that she gave Minnie was fake, and uh, Minnie agrees to go back to her parents because she had no other choice. And that is the last we see of Minnie and the sad life she tried to escape from. (laughs) Nancy feels disappointed. She had high hopes of solving part of the mystery tonight, but... But instead, says Ned, you aided a poor girl who needed help badly, and I admire you for it, Nancy. That girl might never wear too much makeup again. Nancy takes note of a dwarf-like customer. He is, suspiciously enough, unfriendly. So this is when you start to suspect that the elves may have been real human beings. Who just happened to be short. Who had maybe dwarfism. And we're going to have a mini-sode about the use of people with dwarfism as plot devices in children's literature. Mm -hmm. And the... Looking at you, the Wizard of Oz. Inappropriateness of that. Nancy stays home from the concert that night to read a book but instead of reading it she just sits lost in thought as she's sitting there at home a stocky man with a dark mustache and beard shows up he tries to get her to come with him saying carson is in trouble we already did that this book yeah nancy's over that whole bait nancy after he goes finds that he dropped a crude sketch of three bells in a cluster and the bundle he dropped contains hundreds of labels for Moncure perfume. This is why you don't carry around your business packaging during a kidnapping. So that man was one of the Moncure crowd, detects Nancy. <laughs> Just then Ned arrives and Nancy gets him to drive after the car. She's going to follow the tire tracks. Ned agrees that it's worth trying. They follow the man who is probably Tyrox to a printmaking shop. They talk to the printer there who thinks at first that Ned and Nancy are there to rob him as it's the middle of the night. He's done a lot of work for Moncure Perfume, but he's not doing the new labels for their new company, which is called Sweet Chimes. Presumably that's who that sketch is for. It turns out that Monsieur Papier is a fast-talking foreigner who wants someone else to do the new labels. Nancy figures out that the man was probably Tyrox in disguise and is probably the same as Monsieur Papier. Well, by now it's 11 p.m. and Nancy is not ready to stop. So they decide to search some hotels. Nancy had known the trip might end in failure, but even so she was bitterly disappointed when they asked every hotel and found nothing out. (sighs) As they are about to be done, you know, 5 a.m.'s coming up, people are going off to work. Finally, Nancy talks to a hat check girl 
girl. Who tells her, Senor Sanchez, who sells cosmetics, had been there earlier. Wait a minute. Someone who sells cosmetics and is foreign? Ned points out that the woman they're looking for is French, not Spanish. And Nancy points out that she thinks this woman keeps changing her names and probably her nationality as well. What? Back home, her friends are still awake, I guess. Yep, they want to know the scoop. Carson Drew is alarmed to hear about how many investors there have been, but he is delighted Nancy has made progress. Finally, she has learned a little bit more about this phony senora, which dibs on bar name. The phony senora. Double shot Tuesday at the phony senora. Nancy and her friends... The next day, go to the beach. They relax in the sand at Whistling Oyster Co. But all of a sudden, Nancy isn't relaxing anymore. She sits up suddenly. Why didn't I think of that before? It may explain everything. The thing I'm thinking is great. George relaxingly draws. You might try doing a little explaining yourself, Nancy. What's cooking in that clever brain of yours? Nancy says that this might be her best idea she's had in a whole week. (laughs) Can we get like a drum roll or something? Her idea is to go inspect the top of Bald Head Cave. Inspect it, of course. (laughs) Why didn't I think of it before? Could we detect while we're there? So as Nancy tromps up and down the top of Baldhead, she finds a fisherman whose leg was pinned beneath a large rock as the tide was coming in to swallow him up. She has no choice but to uh, rescue him. You saved my life! Even though you saved my life, says this guy, you You really shouldn't be here. You saved my life, but go away. Nancy says, I knew what I was doing. I've been here 60 years on this cliff and I I got, and even I almost died. You should be careful. And Nancy's like, um. (laughs) I'm Nancy Drew. I'm the main character, so (laughs) you should be careful. Nancy is looking for a hole that she believes drugs must have come up to drug her. And that's why she fell asleep on top of the cliff. Right. Finally, we get back to the mystery of why Nancy is sleepy. And it's not sleep apnea. It's drugs. (laughs) Yes. Well, the fisherman's never noticed an opening on top of the old bald head, even though he's lived here 60 years. He tells her that folks think that this is a pirate ghost. And he mentions that the bell is a good thing because it keeps a lot of people out of trouble. Basically, Nancy is... Proven right that it is the tide rather than a ghost that rings the bell. That's her other big theory, other than the hole, the drug hole. Yeah, the two theories are a drug hole and the tides. And she proves that it's the tides ringing the bell, doing something that no one has ever done before. Checking to see if the bell rings when the tide comes in. Yeah. And it does. It does, yeah. Well, says Nancy to herself, I promised Dad and Mrs. Shantry I wouldn't venture out there, even at low tide, but that promise certainly hinders me. (laughs) George says, it may save your life, though. This is one mystery I feel we should leave unsolved. Bess and George have both proven themselves unloyal through the course of this. Yeah, I hope they don't get to be in, like, three books after this. (laughs) Nancy sees the same dwarf-like stranger at the restaurant again. He ate rapidly with a display of very bad table manners, so he is cemented in as a villain. He has got a noticeable physicality, and he's rude. Hmm. 
Hmm, says Nancy. I've certainly seen that man somewhere besides here. It wasn't in a theater. Yet he seems unnatural, like someone acting apart. Nancy, he was he was one of the elves in your dream. He's the man of your dreams, Nancy. <laughs> in a flash, Nancy knew that the characters in her dream were not visionary, but actual persons. Oh my, says Nancy. Dwarves are people too. Like, imagine seeing short people and not being able to process short people to the degree that you have to remember them as dreams. I, I don't know what's the... See, I don't know how the drugs that she was drugged on works. So Carson maybe it makes Drew sense. Drew didn't suddenly think the maid was a fairy. Right. This drug has oh, it is done the same drug, nothing isn't it? Yeah. to anyone else throughout this novel that would indicate that it makes you in any way like actually imagine or hallucinate things. She very well could have had a dream. I'm just saying. How does it take this long for her to put it together? Well, it was just as Ned surmised. I carried by two men after all ned's very smart realizing that such a theory might sound fantastic to the others she was careful to say nothing about it not even to besser george who suck in this book a.h tells nancy you bring a fellow bad luck well a.h doesn't know how to keep from drowning that's my come back to him <laughs> or he would have explored the cave already so nancy says that she might help she tells him about the tides a.h says his jeweled bell was stolen by grumper he's an ornery little fellow extraordinarily short who is also named by the way grumper okay so that's weird by the yes that's so insulting. first of all grumper very insulting they say dwarf like and even now when he says little person i think that all it reminds me of is in the original moss covered mansion when they kept referring to ramo as gypsy gypsy like that's true oh i never thought of that so i feel like it feels insulting to me in the same way to say dwarf like mm -hmm. well ah has gone alone to the cave he may get into trouble there, says Nancy. I should have warned him. Yeah, as soon as he, she just tells him there is no ghost, it's just like tides. He's like, oh, deuces. Gotta go see a bell. Nancy really thinks that that telescope man looks familiar as she approaches the cave. Distinctly, she saw a ghostly figure retreat into its dark interior. Within a few minutes, a bell from within started to toll. The warning, Nancy exclaimed. Oh, what if A.H. is inside the cave? Nancy exclaims. Ned says, if he is, we're too late to save him. It's true. Yeah. To their relief, no body or overturned boat washed out from the cave. Nancy decides that they should climb the cliff and talk to the man with the telescope. Show me the place, says Ned, where you went to sleep that time. But as Nancy tries to find the spot, the blue sky above became misty, as if a film had dropped over her eyes. Vaguely, she recalled, these are the same symptoms as the last time I fell asleep. <laughs> Here. Ned, she calls out in a weak voice. 
And right away she notices by his face that he's worried about her. It's probably just the climb, he said solicitously. By the time that he gets her down to the beach, she already feels like completely better. She says, I don't know what came over me. She is apologizing to Ned, deeply embarrassed. I've never had spells like this before. She was specifically looking for a way that drugs could get to her. Like she should be... You'd think she'd put it together, (laughs) right? Well, Ned insisted upon their going home at that point so she could rest. Nancy, once home, subjected herself to a severe athletic test. What is this severe athletic test? Do you remember? I do. It began with her racing up and downstairs four times without pausing. It began and ended with it. That was all the severe athletic test was, was running up and down a staircase four times. I'm sorry. I could have literally sworn that she did some other stuff in my memory. Maybe she did, but I'm pretty no, sure I, that I was No, I think you're it. right. I think you're right. Because I am I was already for you to like help me list the things uh-huh. and then once you said that I'm like oh my god that was it I th- I'm pretty sure meanwhile Bess and George come in don't have any idea what's going on and just stare at her in amazement like what is our friend doing I'm not crazy says Nancy laughing <laughs> I'm not crazy yeah I mean I as her friends I would be deeply concerned at this point George says you could be a star athlete while you're not even breathing very hard there was Something queer about the way I nearly fainted today. Almost as if I'd been drugged. And again, it's like the book forgot they'd already introduced this idea. Yeah. Have you a theory about it? George asks. I do, says Nancy. Gas up through the rocks. Nancy now decides, apropos of nothing, that she wants to go ask Mother Matilda, the candle maker, about the cliff. Candles, burning, smoke, gas. She'll know. Well, she knew all about the people who lived in the cottage. It's true. And she does tell the girls about... The adopted daughter. Amy. Named Amy. Who made her ma a heap of trouble running off to marry a no good. Nancy reassures Mother Matilda. Oh, and this is so kind because Mother Matilda spent her life's fortune on fake stocks. So what's the reassurance again? She says, well, now that the swindlers are probably going to get caught, will I get my money back? And Nancy says, let's hope so. Done. Done. (laughs) Solved. Let's hope you get some money back. Some of your life savings, maybe. (laughs) Once they're caught, if they're caught. After my dad's legal fees. Carson calls Nancy to York, where they've arrested a woman who may have been Madame. She goes at the maximum speed. I love this. The maximum speed allowed. The speed limit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To identify the perfume lady in a lineup. I I tell you, the maximum speed allowed is like five to ten miles slower than I would usually drive. What I love here is Carson like preps her for this lineup lineup and Mm -hmm. it's all very dramatic and serious Mm -hmm. about like you can't mess this up you only get one chance come on nancy come on it's it's like nancy nails it you know of course yeah with flying colors she passes she picks out the woman the woman says your meddling did it you're responsible for my being held here but just wait until i get free just wait madame speaks english with no accent says carson the truth is she hasn't a drop of foreign blood we all do carson we stole this land she was born in new york city and her name name's Martha Stott. I actually do love this, though. Like, if we could agree as everybody and say, hey, if you were born in New York City, you're not foreign. You're American. Sure. None of this... We're, 
well, what what are you? No, but like, where did you really come from? Like, no, I came from New York. Yeah. But this isn't the, like, I just think it's funny because this isn't the general attitude you would expect from Carson Drew. Mm-hmm. The police are still chasing Monsieur Papier. Nancy is not happy about this. She's unable to hide her disappointment as she asks her dad, that means we must leave the case entirely to the police? <laughs> not unless you've lost interest, Carson smiles. And winks. <laughs> oh, Dad, you know how much solving the mystery means to me. Well, certainly more than it does to Bess, who will not go with Nancy. And have you go to sleep, she says? I should say not. Anyway, I promised Mrs. Chantry I'd help her unpack a lot of gifts, which arrived today. I mean, I think Bess, again, propriety. She already told this woman she's gonna help Oh, her. that's so true. But I'm just confused. Is the, Are these, like, gifts for the gift shop of the tea shop or I something? That, that, I guess that's what I figured, but... Is it Christmas already? <laughs> yep. However, Nancy did prevail upon George to make the trip. Nancy decides that one of those elves may have been Grumper. Two short people? In one town? <laughs> George retorts, So you believe Grumper is the ghost, and lives in the cave with a tolling bell, and sends up fumes through the rocks. As Nancy puts it, maybe, and then refuses to say more. As they approach the cottage, George says, This place does have a spooky look. And as they enter, I never saw such thick cobwebs in all my life. Nancy reads the Bible, and she finds that Amy married somebody named Slocum. But, you know, Slocum is a rather common name. It's not. It's a funny name, and it's not a common one. It's not a name I would want to have. No. Uh, but it does seem like the proper name for a CD hotel manager. Yep. Old Mr. Slocum. <laughs> Nancy finds a letter from the young Amy to her parents in which she disrespectfully calls them far behind the times, which I find so funny because she's specifically saying that because her parents are telling her she's she doesn't love this no good. Mm-hmm. And Amy's thing is like that it's behind the times to think you marry for love. Yep. Like that's yep. that's old fashioned and now mm-hmm. it's the what what is it? Mm-hmm. It's the 80s, greed is good. Like what are you talking about, Amy? Nancy finds out that those cobwebs are actually fake. They're not spun around anything. You can't trick Nancy for long. That's why it was weird. <laughs> I knew that was weird. You're a detective, Carl. <laughs> George says, well, we should probably call the police if somebody wanted the place to look weird and abandoned. We should let them know we're trespassing. Yeah, right? <laughs> she doesn't say that last part. No, but like, she might as well. what's like, your point? So far what has happened is they have entered a cottage they have no right to enter. Hello, police. There are fake cobwebs. <laughs> Nancy finds the first actually incriminating evidence after they've already decided they should probably call the police, which is Mr. Hendrick's half of a note, the stolen note, mm. the French note. <gasps> I mean, that is stolen property, but like barely. Cobwebs, a stolen note. <laughs> it's all coming together. Somebody puts a gun to their backs. Their one gun to their backs? I don't know. There's a man behind them with a gun. Nancy sees him in the mirror, though, and notices that he's a small person of elfin appearance. Nancy decides to take a chance. She turns around and pushes him. Turns out the gun was a telescope. It's the man with the telescope. The telescope gives you less of an advantage 
that a gun does. Yeah. Some advantage, but not as much as a gun would have. So George tackles this man. She plumped herself onto the man's chest. That's a weird way of saying that. And, uh, yeah. What was the idea of frightening us, says George from atop his chest? Nancy makes sure he doesn't have any weapons and then says suppose you explain some things are you grumper no i'm not grumper but that's all he'll say another man who tells us anything but his name nancy accuses him of uh being one of the men who carried her to the road which fine they tie him up ned shows up just then ned can you take this man to the state police alone? With one hand, says Ned. He just really wants to show off. Nancy decides if there was an accomplice who has been warned, he would have been here by now. Mm-hmm. But George felt somewhat uneasy when she and Nancy were alone. I feel a little uneasy every time I'm alone with Nancy. It's a lot to live up to. They hear a gong and Nancy is puzzled because it sounds like it's under their feet. So she decides there must be another door, but she can't find it. Then she remembers what the this is so strange. Elfin man had said to her. This this is very strange because he's holding a gun to her back and he says, "March forward." Now she doesn't know that was going to be his final instruction, but I guess she'd been facing a wall, and she says to herself, "Well, to march straight ahead would mean I'd have to walk through solid wall, or at least I'd have to walk through those fish nets." Secret door behind the fishnets. Mm-hmm. George, upon seeing this door, says, This house must have a secret room or passageway. Which I think is really clever because a lot of us think that doors lead to nothing, George. <laughs> George does have a flashlight, but she doesn't want to give it to Nancy because she wants Nancy to wait until Ned gets back. Disregarding George's protests, like you do, Nancy goes down. If that gong they heard was a warning, then evidence may be being destroyed. George waits upstairs, just like very anxious until she could not endure this suspense any longer. I'm going down. She takes a candle, but not a matchbook. Nope. So when it goes out, she's out of luck and she chides herself. Darn it. George hears some footsteps and decides they're too heavy to be Nancy's. So she flattens herself against a wall. This man comes right in front of her but doesn't see her in the dark and goes up the stairs and out the door. Unfortunately, once the man leaves, George finds that she is locked in this secret room and or passageway. She goes downstairs, tries to call for Nancy, can't find her. All of a sudden she starts to feel weird and she figures out that she's being drugged because she recognizes the symptoms from what Nancy described. Sleepiness, a tendency to dream. It's only sheer willpower that gets George upstairs to the to get fresh air from under the door, just like right under the door with her mouth. <laughs> she realizes how narrowly she had escaped being drugged and a feeling of panic for Nancy's safety comes over her. I'll have to do something, says George, but what? Oh, why doesn't Ned come? Meanwhile, the book tells us Nancy was indeed in need of help. Now she has found the cosmetic factory where they make fake cosmetics and print fake stocks. She hides under a table and learns that Grumper is A.H.'s nemesis who stole his grandfather's bell and he's working with Tyrox to trick A.H. into thinking he's going to buy this bell. Tyrox wants to actually sell the bell. Like, he wants, like, money from A.H. But Grumper might have other plans about this situation. I think he just hates that guy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Now, at this point, Grumper stops being one of the short men, and as AH's nemesis becomes, I guess, the red-haired man? This redhead with an unpleasant expression. He becomes that or Grumper, almost more of a villain all of a sudden. Yeah. Nancy notices that Grumper goes through a bench door, so she follows him out of it and down some stairs to the cave. I don't fully know what a bench door is. It's just like somehow the bench is attached to it, and I know that it's like under the table. Okay. I'm not sure either. (laughs) caves and secret rooms but at this point. But they do really call it the bench tour quite a bit. Where is Grumper? If he carries out his orders, Amos Hendrick will surely drown. So at this point, <laughs> his orders by his boss are to go sell this bell and take the money and then escape and let the guy drown. Right. So if he's if he lets the guy drown, the guy will drown. So without considering her own safety, as usual, Nancy keeps going. She has to rescue A.H., the man who left her on the cliffs. As the be- as the bell began to toll, this is the one in the cave, right? Mm-hmm. She saw that it gave off flashes of iridescent fire. Only priceless diamonds could provide such a rainbow of colors. This bell also has a large, deeper sound. It's not the same bell. No, as the... Nancy concludes. uh, Yeah. Because there's like a diamond bell and there's the pirate bell. Yeah. This is A.H.'s grandpa's bell. So Grumper, when A.H. gets close, removes his ghost costume to confront him. Grumper chuckled evilly. It's too late. The hour of doom is upon you. The bell is mine. A.H. retorts, give me the bell. Well, good point. Grumper, neither of us will live to keep it. This is like another level. I thought we were selling stocks. (laughs) Nancy says to A.H., it's time to go, buddy. He really will let you drown. The tide's coming. Yeah, this is like Indiana Jones when it's Mm -hmm. like the uh, Christ's cup or whatever. Mm -hmm. I know there's a word for that. The Holy Grail. A.H. says, give us the key so they can escape. Grumper says, I've thrown mine away. We'll all die here together. I feel like you're seeing Grumper just, uh, he's had it. He's had it with being used his whole life and honestly probably had it with people treating him like an elf. A redheaded elf, no less. Yeah, and he's just like, no, we're just going to drown here. Even though Nancy tries to talk reason to him, he will have none of it. We'll never know why Grumper hates A.H. so much. I wonder if there's like just like a rich background story to that we could have got into yeah, like their yeah, college yeah. days. Nancy and A.H. are understandably frantic at this point. Finally, out of nowhere, Ned pulls the door open with a gas mask and takes them into the fumes. Yeah, Nancy has bruised her fists and yelled help many times and finally Ned shows up. Back in the cottage, uh, I think that Grumper's the only one who does succumb to his own drugs and falls asleep, they say. Keep out of your stash. George is wide-eyed and so happy to hug Nancy. But Hope, the worst criminal of all, has escaped. The, The one guy. Don't worry. He's captured an hour later. But what a spooky hour that must have been. Carson says, good work, Nancy. I knew you wouldn't need me to clear up the case. She never does. They interrogate Slocum, who admits his part. Oh, right. He's part of this. He says his wife, who was, in fact, Amy McGuire from the cottage on the hill, uh, tried to warn Nancy to not come to the hotel, that it was a trap, because it was originally. Uh, And the police say, your wife was much wiser than you. And uh, 
Nancy says that the McGuire's in the end take their adopted daughter back. Reveal that the way they drugged Carson in the taxi is the woman put the perfume woman. Perfume on his coat. Nancy does find the cave bell. The one that warns everyone every time the tide comes in to not die and decides, you know what this is? This is mine. Yeah, it's a very odd date that Ned and her go on to conclude this novel and they go to the cave and yeah, Nancy thinks that 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 cave bell is hers now. No one could dispute your claim to it but the pirates, says Ned. You know, and all the people. Nancy says, it must have been very exciting back in those old days. How I wish I could have been here to solve a mystery when the cave was a pirate's hideout. (laughs) I just wish I was in a place without toilet paper. Ned exclaimed, mysteries? Haven't you had enough of them? Nancy was sure she never would have. Uh, And she'll get her wish. I don't know if there are any pirates, but certainly there are more mysteries in the clue of the old album. Oh, I hope it's a Beatles album. Anyway, said Ned, there's one puzzle I wish you would solve for me. What's that? Why you always change the subject when I try to talk to you about something that isn't about mysteries. Oh, Ned, you're so weird. I guess that's why Nancy smiled and said, Ned, someday I promise I'll listen. We hope that you guys keep listening. And want to thank you for again for tuning in because I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. And we just say, go Wildcats! So you've had this weird progression in their relationship where they were going steady. Ned got very sort of... Wrapped up in Nancy's stuff aggressive about like i don't want you to do any more mysteries yeah it's too much then suddenly ned was no longer that close to nancy and wasn't showing up then he was in south america going i actually miss doing mysteries with you and now he's back and they're having a real mature conversation here where he's like it's not actually the mysteries i mind it's the fact that if i try to talk about anything else you won't listen and nancy's pretty much like i'll listen someday do you think ned is growing as a person (laughs) also I'm like, is this something in particular? Is it like marriage or like actually them being in love? You know? Or does he just want her to stay through one full football game? Yeah. <laughs> like not leave halfway through any dance. <laughs> well, stay tuned to find out. We might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm river heights radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours 